Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Nugs.net is the destination for live music on demand. They have a growing collection of over 15,000 full-length concert recordings from bands like Pearl Jam, Humphreys McGee, Dead & Company, and Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. So you'll never run out of live music to explore. I've been digging into a lot of Umphrey's shows on Nugs.net, and the catalog and the sound quality are really amazing. It's a great way to get to know a band even more. I've been listening to a lot of Billy Strings, Dead & Company. Oh, and uh, Wilco's on there now, too. Well, I've been listening to the infamous String Dusters and loving some of the old Steve Kimmock shows on there. It's available on desktop, iOS, and Android apps. Sonos, that's how I listen, and Blue OS. The Nugs.net team knows you love live music, so they're offering new subscribers a 35% discount on an annual subscription. Go to Nugs.net slash helping friendly and sign up today. If you already have a subscription, give the gift of live music to a friend. Again, that's Nugs.net slash helping friendly for 35% off an annual subscription.
right, I'm here with Mike Jet, who's at Pure Jet, the two T's on Twitter. Mike, you've you've been here before. Um, I think for the show, a show before the Baker's Dozen, but but you've been on the podcast before. So welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here, RJ. Thanks for having me. And and I will say that you safely pulled over um, on your drive back home from the shows so that you could talk, which is a, which is a good thing. That should be maybe a requirement for quick hits. So, thanks. Yeah. You know, safety first. Yeah, this is a boring drive as well, so it's nice to to take a little break from that. <laughs> good. And so you went to both nights. Uh, actually, just second night. Okay, just last night. Okay, cool. So you you saw yeah. a pretty good show. Um, tell us, I guess first, just what was the scene like? Pretty, I assume, pretty high energy and people excited to be there um i don't know what's your take on the on the pre-show and the lot scene and, and getting in the venue yeah i was really impressed i was a little nervous you know there was emails sent out about traffic being bad coming down to the Trifit center but so we got there probably around 5 30 i mean literally pulled right in parking lot was right across the street from the venue walked across the street we're there and it was just such a mellow scene it was on uh, the slu campus it was beautiful. You know, there's like lakes there and people are just walking around. Um, so it was an amazing scene. So that was, that was great. Um, overall that initial pre-show experience, there wasn't much of a lot scene. I, I took it. People were like hanging out in the parking garages there, uh, but the people were walking around having fun. Like you said, it was a, generally a very uh, positive move for sure. Cool. And, and so what's your thought on just how, how different it is to go to a summer show indoors or, and, and for them to kick off the, the tour indoors? Um, is did you kind of uh, did you have any thoughts about that or or did it seem just like a a normal show? I mean, I think at first I was a little bummed about it, but you know, then you start thinking, okay, well, a it could rain, which it did. It poured um, probably for the whole first set, so that was good that we were indoors. Uh, and then I think for myself, I've seen a lot of like every show I've seen lately has been outdoors. Even in the fall, I was at the Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville. So it was nice to get inside, and, and it's totally different seeing an inside show. So I was fine with it, especially considering I'm going to see a few outdoor shows here coming up this summer. And I think the rest of the tour is outdoors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, cool. So it was, yeah, it did seem like it was a little bit different. Um, and and so what were you, what was your take on the on the show? I mean, maybe start with the first set and, and tell us a little bit about your highlights um, as, as they kind of ran through. Uh, I feel like this, both nights, now that they're mixing in, both goes to the forest and Casvod Vox. The the set lists are looking a little bit different than what we've been used to, but but that's that's a good thing to me. I'm curious about your take on that and a couple of your highlights from the uh, first set. Yeah, it was interesting. Like I listened to the first night, and you know they played a lot of songs, so I was kind of wondering if they would stick with that theme last night, which in the first set they did. You know, and starting off with Chalk Dust was really strong like that immediately. The crowd, the crowd was a little late arriving, but as soon as that Chalk Dust kicked off, I mean, it was high energy from the start. Um, of course, I'm always a fan of a uh, type 2 Chalk Dust, but you can't, can't complain about an opener. Um, and, you know, it was an interesting set from that point. There was a lot of songs. And I think midway through the set, the biggest cheer came with Heavy Things, which was interesting. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think maybe they haven't played Heavy Things in a while. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's sort of a, a little bit out of rotation, at least compared to you know the ninety nine yeah. two thousand. But um, this was the the right. first first one since uh, since last fall, and they only played it uh, three times in twenty eighteen and twice in twenty seventeen. Okay. So yeah, we're not getting too many of them for sure. Yeah. So that was interesting. You know, then the other big cheers came randomly, but in my mind, I knew okay, St. Louis must have just scored. Um, because oh, I see. the yeah. theme of the Blues game was ever-present. There was a lot of people in uh, Blues jerseys. 
there were cheers, you know, go St. Louis, go blues, just kind of randomly throughout the crowd. And then just, you know, mid midway through a song and a cheer would just erupt in the crowd and you knew St. Louis just scored. And that happened a couple of times in the first set. So you're thinking, okay, things are going pretty well for the blues. Uh, I'm not personally a hockey fan, but I'm a sports fan. So I could definitely appreciate you know, the excitement that must yeah. have been, uh, you know, with those local St. Louis residents for sure. Um, so then just to close out the set, I feel like they could have ended the set a couple times with the funky bitch. They could have stopped there. Um, then they ended up going into antelope and that just took the energy back up again. So it was almost like nice bookends with the first set with chalk dust and antelope. They really ended and began and ended that set with a lot of energy and got everybody excited for set two. That's cool. And, and the set two, um, I, I just, I thought it was so cool. The, the Gloria loving cup, um, and, and, you know, there's a, there's a story about Gloria and how it's been sort of like this, you know, turn of, turn of fortunes for the St. Louis Blues and, and, you know, has been become meaningful to them. And um, that's cool. And then Loving Cup. And I think that was like maybe the longest Loving Cup ever. Um, it's got to be up there. But a cool jam out of it. It has to be for sure. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was interesting. I had no – go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, when they started Gloria, I had no clue what it was, right? I'm not familiar with the Ghost in the Forest songs right now. I haven't listened to any of them. So when they started that song, I'm like, is this what they're going into? And then my buddy was like, no, this is Gloria. And I got listening. I'm like, you're right. You know, when I imagined Gloria in my head, it was the G-L-O-R-I-A version. Uh, yeah. Instead, they were playing the 80s pop version, which is hilarious. You know, and you yeah. get, everybody in the room was just grinning ear to ear. Uh, then going to Loving Cup was a surprise. Yeah. Um, but it fit the tone. I mean, you can't. Loving Cup is my favorite closer for sure. Um, and you know, the whole arena was just singing the lyrics. And then when they took off into that jam, I think everybody was pretty floored. And during the jam, just thinking to myself, you know, okay, can we call this a Type Two Loving Cup? You know, is yeah. it going to classify that? And I feel like it was because if you drop into that song and you're listening to it, you wouldn't know it was Loving Cup. So in my mind, that's kind of the de- definition of a Type Two. So yeah, I think that was some history that we saw last night. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, the and you know this is a whole podcast on its own, and maybe we should do this as a, a future episode. But you know, Fish has sort of a history of acknowledging important sporting events as they're happening. There's um, a few things that come to mind: the um, Worcester Fall 13 show where uh, Paige announced the score of the Red Sox Cardinals World Series game. Um, there was a there was this uh, 622.94. There was this, a score update. There's the We Are the Champions um, thing in, in San Francisco a few years ago. Um, one interesting thing, I think in 2010, Trey uh, in Chicago uh, congratulated the, the Blackhawks for beating the Flyers in the Stanley Cup, which is, you know, hockey is like, I think, you know, obviously Trey played hockey and, and it seems like that's the sport that's closest to his heart. I know Paige is a baseball fan. I'm not sure about Mike or Fishman, but there's like a ton of um, examples over the years of Fish acknowledging, you know, through music and through talking um, kind of what's going on with sports. And I don't know, it's kind of cool. Um, it's kind of cool to, that you were a part of that. Yeah, I think, you know, once you've seen enough shows, you kind of just really appreciate when you're there for something unique. And I think you could definitely say that what happened last night was, was unique in fish history. And you almost feel like you're, you're a part of something bigger. You know, you're in a city that is just a buzz. And it's a fish show. They're acknowledging that as well. So, yeah, it was really, really cool to be there for that. And in the concourses, once the game went final, you could just hear people in the concourses cheering. Uh, and it was a wild scene out there, I'm sure. So it was a pretty awesome experience. 
That's really cool. And did you, um, what were some of the second set, you know, highlights for you? Because there were a couple of pretty big gems, um, Twist and, and Light and, uh, and, and The Loving Cup. What was sort of your highlight coming out of the second set? Yeah, definitely The Loving Cup. I thought the transition to Twist was a little jarring. You know, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. But then once they started to jam the Twist, that was really incredible. A little bit different than I've ever heard. Um, I'm a huge Mr. Completely fan. It was my first time uh, ever hearing that. So that was great for me. And I think that the jam was awesome. It was almost, I felt like the crowd was a little thrown off by it when they started it. Like, I think I screamed as loud as I could at that point, but the crowd (laughs) overall didn't. So maybe I was the most excited person in the room for that. Uh, And then going into light, I mean, that was incredible as well. I think that clocked in at the longest, maybe with twist was the longest jam of the night, but really mellow and just a smooth groove. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really good second set and it was very nothing different, which is cool as well. You know, of course I always want to hear tweezer type two chalk dust every show I go to, but to get something <laughs> so different, that was really satisfying. That was a really good experience. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mr. Completely, the, the version from, uh, Utah in, uh, in 2003, that's one of my favorite fish jams of all time. Oh yeah. Um, me too. Me too. Seven fifteen. But that, this is only last night was only the fourth time it's ever been played by fish. And, and one of them was, you know, two were in 2017 around, uh, before right. and then during Baker's dozen. So, so you caught a pretty, pretty cool show, um, with a couple of those, like you said, you know, if you're looking for unique moments, you can't, I'm not sure you can get better than a show like this with, with the, the antics right. and the, and the music and the, and the jams. Um, what do you think is, uh, we ins- should also miss yeah. it about to run. Like I, I wasn't, I, didn't, right. I figured that was a ghost in the forest song and that was really different from most of the stuff that fish plays. So that was another, you know, pretty unique thing in that show that made it stand out in my mind. That's cool. Yeah. Did, did you, were you going like familiarizing yourself with ghost of the forest as it was happening or no? A little bit. Like I kind of understood it was a different sound and I, I knew some of the song titles, but I haven't actually listened to any of it yet. I mm. had to say, but mm-hmm. from the reaction of the crowd, when they started that song, I was like, okay, this has to be ghost of the forest. Um, and then I did, you know, peek at Twitter during just to confirm that. But, but yeah, yeah it was a solid, it was a solid addition to the repertoire for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think is coming? What do you think the rest of this tour is going to look like? Do you, uh, you know, how do you feel after seeing the show last night? What do you think's in store? I mean, it's exciting. Like I think they are adding so much new material that, you know, you just never know what you're going to get on any given night. Uh, one interesting thing my buddy pointed out this morning, like they're playing in Toronto next week, right? I don't know if the timing will work out, but the Raptors could yeah. have a game seven to win the NBA title in Toronto. Like that would just be such a huge coincidence. I don't know if the timing would work out perfect for that, but that would be pretty amazing to have that happen you know, twice in two weeks. Uh, the fish is in a town where a major uh, professional sport championship was won. So that would be kind of cool. But yeah, I'm looking, I'm going to blossom next week, looking forward to that. And uh, you know, they say that the odd years are typically the best fish year. So I have pretty high hopes for this tour. Yeah, it does seem, uh, it seems like that theory is holding up, uh, you know, two shows in, but, uh, yeah, it does seem like it's, uh, I don't know. seems like it's, it's, it's working for sure. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, myself and I get to see some shows in a couple of weeks. So they're going to be, be pretty warmed up by the time they roll into Camden and, and I see them. Um, one thing I'd say just that the NBA finals, the, the other reference that I remember is uh six twenty two ninety four that amazing show, um, the OJ show, and that was oh, yeah. the, that was the uh, 
that was during the NBA finals, I think game five of the 94 finals. And they, they updated the crowd right. on the, you know, Houston Rockets, uh, New York Knicks, uh, score. So, you know, it's just cool. I, yeah. It'd be fun if that continued. And then, you know, maybe we'll hear some more stuff later this year. Uh, and, and they can keep the sports, keep the sports things going. That's a good reason to do, you know, to play shows in the fall, I think. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> cool. All right, Michael, thanks for joining. Thanks for taking time out of your drive home. And, uh, Hope you have a good rest of the day and a good uh, show this weekend. I guess we're with Blossom. Blossom's next week. Uh, it's yeah, it's Wednesday of next week. So Wednesday we get two week. Wednesday nights in a row. You know, taking a little break from the family and, and work. Awesome. To get out midweek. It's always fun. You know. <laughs> cool. Yeah. What do you want to send people out with in terms of the music? What jam from last night? I mean, I think we got to go with the Loving Cup. So unique, you know, such a curveball. And like we said earlier, maybe the first ever Type 2 Loving Cup. So I think we got to hear that. Awesome. All right. Well, have a good have a good rest of the drive. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, RJ. Take care. Yeah. You guys like coffee? Yes. I actually cannot function without it. Luckily for us, we have an advertiser, Passion House Coffee Roasters. Passion House was founded by a longtime fan in Chicago, and they've been sourcing and roasting some of the best beans in the world since 2011. Now they need your help naming a new coffee, an experimental micro lot from a renowned farm in Colombia. With coffees named Millie Grace, LSD, and Box of Rain, the bar is high for a new name. But we know you can help. Go to passionhousecoffee.com slash Osiris to read about the mystery coffee and submit your idea for the coffee name. While you're there, pick up some beans or cans of cold brew. I had the Passion Cat cold brew cans recently, and they're great. Our listeners get 30% off their coffee, so enter Osiris at checkout. Get after it.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast.